Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you have a chance, please visit us at consumerguide.com. Be sure to check out our 2021 Best Buy picks if you are looking for a new car or crossover. This list is an excellent starting point. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the stuff we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of other car-related fun. And if you've missed an episode or two of the podcast, you can stream back episodes right there on our homepage. How darn handy is that? If you have comments or questions for the crew, reach out to us at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. She's Jill Simonillo. Jill, good morning. Good morning, or afternoon is the case may be. It depends on when you're listening. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good, although I have to say I have spent like three out of the last four days shoveling, and I'm kind of sick of it. (laughs) Here's the thing about that. Ask me how I am. Uh, you're in a garage and um, you don't care about my problems? No, that's not okay, where I'm going Okay, how are you? It. How are I'm you? Freezing, I'm freezing cold. Wait, wait, wait. Are you still wearing shorts? No, here's, here's the thing about that. Though it is not cold on Thursday, when this airs on WCPT AM 8 to, uh, 820 in Chicago, it's going to be really, really cold. So out of deference to radio listeners who are listening <laughs> to this, I want them to know we feel their pain. And you're wearing pants. I, I am not. I'm wearing shorts. But, but you will be wearing <laughs> pants when it's cold. No. Uh, got it. No. No All right. pants. All right. He's the senior <laughs> editor here at Consumer Guide. He earns money on the side selling unlicensed industrial metal dance music mixtapes. Welcome to the show, Damon Bell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a big underground market for all that stuff. That's kind of part of the uh, that's part of the appeal. Well, Sell cas- the- <laughs> well, on cassette? Did you say? Yeah, aren't cassette tapes hot again? Uh, there are certain. I think there are uh, cassettes are cool in hipster circles. Yeah. Well, I thought that was vinyl. Hipsters. There are hipsters listening to Ministry on cassette right now, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Jill, vinyl's been hip for a long time, but if you're super hip, you're oh. you're into cassettes too. Uh, where yeah. do where do eight tracks fall into all this? Maybe that's next in line. I don't no. know. No, <laughs> eight track eight track is so awful. The sound wonder, quality is so bad. I wonder if you would. Can you even find a functioning eight track player anymore? It's I, probably hard enough to find a cassette deck, but yeah, eight track <laughs> players are probably. I don't know where you would even find a functional one. I'm sure they don't make them new anymore. I came after A-Tracks a little bit. I mean, they were around when I was young, but I don't ever remember there being good or high-end A-Track players. I think it was always just sort of a... Just the portability was the selling point? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't A-Tracks, and then then you had... It was like they would... I can't even remember how they work, but I remember we had an A-Track player for our home stereo when I was a kid, and our family car 
had one as well. Like, uh, uh, yeah, and it was it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't oh, yeah. think it was. It was probably an aftermarket system, but I think that was our '74 Mercury Comet, which was the most bilious shade of yellow green you could imagine. Um, <laughs> but I remember, like, it, it, they would stop in the middle of a song, wouldn't they? And it'd have to shift to another track, so you yeah. like square in the middle of a song, it'd stop, and then you'd have to pick it up again on the next track. Yeah, and the clunking was 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 insufferable. Yeah. It was loud. Yeah. So well, there's a little music lesson for the youngsters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, after the first break, we talked to veteran auto journalist Todd Lassa. After three decades in the business, Todd has chosen a new project, and it should be of great interest to our WCPT listeners, so you don't want to miss this conversation. But first, all sorts of truck news this week, guys. Yes. Uh, Damon, let's start with Nissan. What's Nissan up to? Yeah, this has been a very busy week in terms of new product. And Nissan uh, pulled the wraps off of two key new vehicles uh, in their lineup, and that is the 2020, both redesigned, and that's the 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. That's their three-row midsize SUV. And the 2022 Nissan Frontier, their compact midsize pickup. We talked last week, or not last week, but when we talked about sales, we talked about Nissan's terrible 2020 mm -hmm. and, and how the sales of that company, at least the, the US, uh, US arm of Nissan, did just brutal. And, and two of the vehicles that have suffered brutal sales losses are the Pathfinder and then the Frontier. Uh, so new, new vehicles in these categories, super important to the brand. For sure, for sure, and they've the especially in the both of them, but especially the Frontier, yeah. among the oldest designs in their segments. So the these redesigned vehicles were uh, kind of long overdue. Well, and so you you talk about the Frontier, and I, I I wrote an article, and I just want you to think about timing. So the last time the Frontier was redesigned was two thousand four. So in that time. You know, George W. Bush was president. <laughs> there was no iPhone. Whoa. Uh, there you go. Facebook had literally launched that year. So it was bright, shiny, new. And, um, you know, I mean, there was no Twitter. There was no TikTok. But, I mean, the biggest mind blow was there's no iPhone. <laughs> the last so, time that vehicle was redesigned. So there was no Apple CarPlay then. No, uh, well, there was probably CarPlay, but no, no, no Apple phone too. Uh, yeah, but no, I mean that was just kind of a mind-boggling thing. Fourteen years is that for? Like, let me do my gel math. Um, Eighteen <laughs> years. Sorry, eighteen years. And and I mean that's almost two decades that that you did not see a new truck. So the Frontier was sorely overdue, and mm -hmm. frankly, I think they did a bang-up job. I think it looks amazing. It does look yeah. good. We should talk a little bit about that, that age span, too, because for whatever reason, the Toyota Tacoma, which is their small truck, Toyota small or midsize pickup truck, does well not being very updated. It, it, is, it is sort of an honest, back, you know, back to its roots, old school, serious off-roader mm -hmm. that, that Toyota seems to very begrudgingly bring into the modern era when, every now and then when it has to. <laughs> and, and yet, the Tacoma is the best-selling vehicle in that class by far. 
It has ridiculously good resale value. People love it. People think it's reliable, and the people actually take it off-roading. So the old-school truck thing works for Toyota. It stopped working for Nissan. Yeah, yeah it, it worked. It worked up to a point. I think we we talked about the the 2020 Frontier because, of course, that was for 2020. They put the new engine into mm-hmm. the uh, existing old Frontier platform. Right. If there was if there was a segment that you could get by with an old school design, that's you know. Uh, older than the rest of the vehicles in its class and and certainly older than the average new design vehicle as a whole it would be compact mid-size pickups sure just for the reasons you just said tom it's like there there is there maybe isn't a focus on oh i have to have the latest 360 degree surround view monitor and i have to have a wireless charging pad no like the buyers of those they want that kind of rugged uh, old school look and the the latest technology features maybe aren't as important to them but now with this new frontier uh all that stuff is finally there the wireless charging pad the surround view monitor um you know the 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 new uh features that you would expect a brand new vehicle to have in 2021 yeah, we should talk about that segment, too. We talked about the Frontier South success. Last year, down year, Toyota Tacoma accounted for 238,000 sales. Uh, the Ranger, the Ford Ranger, which was redesigned last year and was off to a slow start, 101,000 sales. The Frontier, just 36,000. So the potential there is huge. Yeah, yeah. They their, turned their backs on that truck. Yeah. What do you th- what do you think, Tom? Like because uh, we've talked about how you know Nissan's forays into the full size pickup market have been uh, have met with a resounding thud. The the Titan they could just never get it off the ground. Uh, do you think this new Frontier is gonna? Will we see a big uptick in sales? Oh, I think so. I think it's just yeah. it's a modern truck now. I don't think that, that Toyota, or, I'm sorry, Nissan was still able to play the old truck card, as we noted. But I think that is a modern, up-to-date truck. First of all, Nissan has a lot of dealerships, so it's got a lot of visibility, and it's out there, and it's a, a mainstream brand. And and this segment, I, I think that, that there are people looking for something new. I think it looks good. I think Jill mentioned yeah. that. It's kind of yeah. fresh. For sure. looking. It's clean looking. The interior looks nice. It looks roomier inside, which it probably is. So I think there's a lot going on here. That 3.8 liter V6 and nine speed auto, that's a nice combination. That's a good truck, mm-hmm. good truck drivetrain. There is no four cylinder. And they talked a little bit how they're not going to be going with a low price model, which could hurt them a little bit, but it's probably good for profitability. So we'll see, but I, I can't see them not doubling sales even even tripling sales in their first full year yeah yeah i think they definitely nailed it from a design standpoint will be yeah. interesting i'm definitely looking forward to get behind the wheel and see how that one drives and then yeah. another i mean really old vehicle was the pathfinder oh, yeah. um this, this was when we think about how, why nissan sales fell so much last year and have been slipping this is a key segment this is mid-size crossover there isn't a segment really that's more more important in terms of sales volume or profitability and they let that vehicle get old mm-hmm. yeah well you so you'd want to know what my biggest takeaway was from pathfinder and it's the fact that they finally did away with the cvp 
So the Xtronic transmission goes away for the 2022 model year, and they're switching to that nine-speed automatic transmission. And if anybody has followed, you know, the, the continuously variable transmission woes from Nissan, like the when they introduced it in 2013 um, with the, the previous generation redesign, um, it was plagued with problems. There's a class action lawsuit that happened. And um, whenever I drive a Nissan vehicle that has one of these CVTs, everybody's like, oh, nice vehicle, but it has a CVT. So I think for me, at least, my biggest takeaway from this was the fact that that is now gone. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. My, my, just a little personal story. My daughter owns a 2014 Nissan Juke, and we just received a warranty extension letter. So even though we're out of warranty, our transmission is still covered. So yeah, speaking about the class action lawsuits and problems they're having with CVT longevity. Hmm. I'm just uh, the in looking at the the, the press pictures uh, of the new Pathfinder. What strikes me about it is it looks, and this shouldn't be surprising, but it looks exactly like a a upsized Nissan Rogue, which of course mm -hmm. the Rogue was just redesigned too. And it's remarkable to me how similar the two look. And again, not surprising. Uh, and I love the new Rogue. So mm -hmm. it seems like a pretty solid strategy for, for Nissan to, uh, you know, follow both the look of the new Rogue and also the technology features in the new Rogue. There's so much that, 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 you know, the from a from a tech feature standpoint that carries over like the the uh, kind of digital shift lever that frees okay. up space for a big open storage area below the console um, and and the, the, they've got a gigantic head up display now so yeah it seems with the new rogue and now this new Pathfinder Nissan is up in their game from the technology standpoint um, well and the design standpoint. And the design, and so the from, as far as the design standpoint goes, what strikes me about this new Pathfinder and also the the new Sorento that we talked about uh, previously, does it seem to you guys that you know these crossover SUVs, the the really prominent redesigns that have been unveiled, they're all getting a little bit harder edged and a little yes. bit more truck like looking yes. than the previous generations. That's very clear in both the Sorento and this Pathfinder. If you look at the previous gen and these new models that have just uh, been unveiled back to back, there's a little bit truckier, a little bit crisper lines, blockier styling. Uh, one of the Pathfinder Pathfinders that they show in these press photos is got blackout trim and like a roof rack with mm -hmm. with auxiliary lights. So they're going for that rugged off-road flavor, even if these are still at their core crossover everyday SUV vehicles. Yeah, no, I, I have taken note of that. And it seemed like the industry went from truck looking way back when, when, when all SUVs were actually SUVs, right. to, to, to more car-like when we started calling them crossovers, to back to this sort of square-shouldered quarterback, not quarterback, but linebacker-looking tough thing. And I think that that's what sells now, and I think everyone knows that. And Honda made that move, too, to the Honda Passport, mm -hmm. which is this sort of rugged, sort of sporty version of the, of the pilot that, that seems to be doing pretty well for them. 
but uh, Damon, you were, this is a little off topic, Damon, but do you remember when we talked about the first Chevy Traverse way back when? <laughs> and that came out looking very much like a soft rotor, very soft shoulder, very sculpted, and mm -hmm. not very rugged. And, and the, for the second model year, it, it came standard with tires that looked really knobby on the side. <laughs> And I wondered if that was addressing some consumer concerns that it wasn't rugged enough looking. Yeah, could, could be. But, but talking about the, the Pathfinder too, so here is probably the single most important segment, unless you are playing successfully in the large pickup truck segment, which Nissan isn't, uh, mid-size crossovers. The Pathfinder did just 49,000 sales last year. The Toyota Highlander, which is an excellent vehicle, <laughs> did 213,000. So, so there's your potential in that segment. Yeah. Um, and there's almost no way that this new vehicle doesn't sell better. Oh, hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. All right, you know what? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Todd Lassa about what he's working on these days. You do not want to miss this conversation. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. All right. He began his journalism career in the mid-80s at the Milwaukee Sentinel and the Quad City Times. He continued his career at the San Diego Business Journal, co Journal covering Capitol Hill. He's been covering the auto industry for the past 24 years, working for Auto Week, Motor Trend, and Automobile Magazine. But in August of 2020, he left the auto world to become the founding editor for the political website The Hustings. He now lives in Frostburg, Maryland with his wife Donna, two collies, and one collie mix. Welcome to the Car Stove Podcast. Todd Lassa. Todd, hello. Hi, Tom. How are you? It's so good to hear your voice. Todd, it is good to talk to you. We haven't seen each other in forever because we don't travel anymore. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm thinking that uh, probably the last time was very close to a year ago at the Chicago Auto Show. I, yeah, I, that sounds I, that right was to the me. last... Uh, last uh, auto show that I've uh, attended in, in any way, and I had uh, attended those from 1997 until last year, and uh, of course everything kind of shut down a, a month after that. So uh, that would have been the last, uh, probably the last time. And um, yeah, things have changed quite a bit since then for, for the <laughs> audio industry and for me on a, on, a, uh, on a micro level, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Now, before we move on, Todd, I do have one question for you. Uh, does your third dog resent being singled out as different? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's it's a long story. My uh, my wife, uh, before we were married uh, in 2006, um, she uh, Donna had always uh, um, rescued collies, and uh, we. Uh, rescued this collie actually out of uh, the the Houston area. We had a um, a dog delivery uh, system drive the the dog whose name is Chauncey up to um, uh, Columbus, Ohio, and then we met up there 
Chauncey, uh, by the way, is named after uh, the character in uh, Being There, uh, the Peter Sellers character. And um, uh, we had oh. uh, we we met him there for the first time, and he looked less like a collie than than we thought from the pictures. But he's a he's a lovely dog. Everybody really likes him, and uh, and I, I don't think he resents it quite yet. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh man, we're pretty we're much a collie family. <laughs> We were talking about, about how we haven't seen each other in forever because the auto industry has been so different in the past year. And, and you've sort of backed away from, from the industry this past year, but certainly you've got some observations on how strange things were. But what, what strikes yeah. you as the biggest out of 2020? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is that, um, you know, I, after the Chicago Auto Show last year, the uh, the first and second quarter, especially the second quarter of the year in car sales. And, and even though I, I was a buck book guy working for Automobile and Motor Trend not a week before that, uh, I always followed the uh, car sales very closely. And uh, it, it looked uh, like it was going to be a, a huge loss, A, because of uh, supply problems, and B, because nobody was going out, so nobody needed a car. And um, if you remember the... Um, uh, during the Great Recession, during the, after the uh, the bankruptcies and so on in 2009, 2010, the um, the industry dropped to below, I think it was below 11 million for a couple of years there. Uh, that's U.S. auto sales, uh, brand new car and truck like truck sales per year, and then then in the last five four or five years we had 17 plus million years, just uh, record years basically. And yeah. and instead of dropping down to 11 million last year, it dropped down to about 14 and a half million. So there was a rebound after the uh, after the initial kind of shutdown of uh, of the country uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic, and um, and people started buying cars again. But of course, it's, it's kind of confirmed what I had been following and and uh, talking about for a few years uh, as a car magazine editor that uh cars were becoming luxury items again brand new cars and i I shouldn't say cars i should say vehicles because mostly that's suvs and trucks and um you know it's kind of like the the reversal of the uh, ford model t uh model as it were in fact i wrote about this recently in uh gary vasilash's uh blog which is called shinymetalboxes.net um (laughs) and uh it, it struck me that uh so um car sale price uh, the average car price up until last year was hovering around $38,000 which was already quite high it was up quite a bit from earlier in the year uh, earlier in the decade and last year uh, i think it was Edmonds uh, pegged it at more than $40,000 $40,300 or something like that clearly you, you don't have you know bartenders and waitresses who are uh, unfortunately, out of work because of the pandemic, they're not buying new cars. But um, uh, uh, upper middle class and and above people are buying those cars. So I think as a as a middle class and working class kind of thing to to get a brand new car, I think that's kind of over with. And uh, and um, it, it was interesting that uh, GM in its uh, press release on the um, on the 2020 calendar year sales mentioned that the new Escalade, the new Cadillac Escalade, uh, 43% of them uh, had uh, sticker prices above $100,000. So wow. it's, they're yes. becoming quite precious. 
Yeah, years ago, I wrote a piece called The Average American Cannot Afford the Average New Car, and I probably need to revisit that. There used to be this yeah. rule of thumb that your total car expenses should not exceed one-third of your total household earnings, and most people simply can't buy a new car using that metric right. or the stretching to get there. So, yeah, interesting. So your point, Todd, then, is simply that car ownership has become more elite than it has been uh, probably at any time in automotive history. Yeah, new new car ownership for sure. I'm buying a brand new car, and and you know I guess the answer might be that maybe that's not such a bad thing. Um, that uh, you know uh, a lot of people are buying uh, three year off lease, you know guaranteed uh, Audis or BMWs or or Cadillacs for that matter uh, instead of brand new cars. And uh, but you know just the idea of kind of a basic. Uh, $20,000, either side of $20,000 car uh, is kind of gone. And part of that, too, is if you look at uh, the car companies that have dropped their uh, low-end sedans or even the mid-size sedans like Ford Motor Company, um, just to go almost completely toward SUVs and trucks, um, you know, those SUVs, if you take a, if you take a, a mid-size sport utility vehicle and compare it in price with a mid-sized sedan, uh, obviously they're getting people to kind of move up in price range on those SUVs because they cost a few thousand dollars more. And that's with front-wheel drive, then you throw in an all-wheel drive version, which is pretty much all you can find on your dealer lots in the north, in Chicago or in uh, in Frostburg, Maryland. And, um, and, you know, you're talking about going from, say, a $28,000 or $30,000 mid-sized car I'm talking sticker price, obviously, to um, an SUV that might be closer to forty thousand dollars if you stay in the same uh, if you stay in the same size segment. So, yeah, yeah, I think you uh, you hit the nail on the head about the average car, the average uh, uh, average wage person or average salary person not being able to afford an average price car. Uh, you certainly need to revisit that. Uh, that's a good good point. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, the one reason, one major reason I think that uh, car sales rebounded is that, again, people who can afford brand new cars are looking at, um, if you live in or near a, a city like uh, uh, New York or San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and maybe Chicago, um, and and you've you know, you've got a good job, but you haven't had you've been able to use um, you know, commuter rail or or buses or whatever to get to work. Uh, a now you're not going to work, but B once you start going to work again, you're not going to want to be on one of those uh, subway cars or or buses. Um, so you'll want to drive yourself. You're, uh, this is also destroying the uh, the Uber and Lyft model because so many people yeah. share those cars in a day. So, well, you know, I, I mean, I think all of this is feeding into what you mentioned was the average transaction price being forty thousand dollars, and and you know, yeah. people are willing to pay for their privacy and health, and I, you know, I, I when I saw that number, I was shocked. I was utterly shocked yeah. at forty thousand um, dollars. But here's the interesting thing about that: like, I don't know how old you were when you bought your first car, but I didn't buy my first car until I was in my twenties, and. Um, yeah. The idea of having like a five-year loan term at that time was like crazy. Everybody was buying a three-year loan, but now you have these prices going up, and the average consumer can't afford them, as you pointed out. 
And so now the car loan lengths are five years and even seven years. And yeah. I just find that crazy. Well, it, it is mean, crazy. And, and, and yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, it's I, yeah, I've never gone for a seven year loan. Um, and uh, since you asked my Jill, my first uh, brand new car, my first brand new car, I had plenty of old beaters until then was a 1987 uh, Honda CRX that I bought uh, in San Diego and uh, I was in my late 20s and it was um, uh, the sticker price was a little bit more than $8,000 on that car it was a four year loan so uh, yeah that's changed quite a bit. <laughs> I'm really dating myself there. But, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the flip side, of course, is that these these cars, uh, if you get a seven-year loan, your car is probably going to last quite a bit longer anyway. It'll be in better shape uh, because they're better built uh, in a more That's rigid true. and, um, you know, better. Uh, you don't see the rust uh, that I saw growing up in the, in the Milwaukee area as a kid. Uh, you know, when the Chevy Vega came out in the 71 model year, it was, uh, they, they rusted out by 1972, uh, for example, and you just don't see that sort of thing anymore. So, <laughs> so, so Todd, for, for whatever reason, you have given up the glamorous lifestyle of an automotive journalist uh, to move yeah. on to something new. Tell us about that. Well, so I, I, I've always been a car guy, but I've always been a very uh, kind of a political kind of guy, too. I've always been really interested in politics. Uh, at least uh, I've been a car guy since I was a little kid, but uh, politics uh, probably since um, junior high or high school or something like that. And uh, actually, uh, so uh, I, I need to uh, correct something in my bio that I worked for the San Diego Business Journal in San Diego, and then I came to a newsletter company uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, worked there from 92 to 96, uh, covering oh, Capitol Hill issues. No, that's okay. It's, uh, I, I probably wrote my bio too quickly for you there, but, uh, you know, it, it probably has, it's probably not written very well, which is kind of embarrassing on my part. Part <laughs> Anyway, so I, I worked for the, the newsletter company and pretty much thought I would stay uh, in Washington and, and work uh, and try to get into uh, political reporting. Uh, but then I had an opportunity uh, through a friend of a friend, basically, to uh, take a job at Auto Week. Uh, Matt DiLorenzo, uh, who's now at KBB, hired me there in 1996. And uh, I've stayed in Detroit for quite a while, uh, a little bit longer. But yeah, there, there's also a little bit of a connection because, um, you know, I, I was working on the Motor Trend uh, website as well as the magazine in the, in the late 2000s in the, in the first decade uh, leading up to the, the GM and Chrysler bankruptcies. And I was able to cover those online, uh, you know, almost like um, a business reporter more than a car buff book reporter and, or editor. And, um, you know, so I was able to cover that uh, uh, fairly closely. And there's, there was a lot of politics involved in that, of course, too. So, um, you know, I see, I see the, the, the buff book business kind of uh, changing a bit too in the wrong direction for where, what I wanted to do. Uh, and uh, I'm also pretty late career, but I've had this idea for a website uh, covering politics, political news, and, and commentary uh, for a few years. And the idea is basically to get 
readers who go online for their uh, political news uh, out of their echo chambers. And uh, on a three-column uh, home page, uh, you have the uh, the straight news down the middle, straight news, so to speak, with you know some analysis thrown in, but very much uh, neutral in terms of. Uh, uh, partisan taking sides, and then uh, I have uh, contributors uh, who are conservatives and liberals uh, writing for either of the other columns. So the straight news down the middle, uh, the uh, the uh, liberal uh, commentary pundit take uh, in the left column, and the uh, conservative pundit his or her take in the right column. Uh, so that when you go to this, you you see it all on one page, and and I hope. That the readers uh, read all three and get a get a good perspective on uh, you know what the what the partisan thought is to the nonpartisan news in the center column and uh, also do it with uh, using uh, newspaper um, traditional newspaper standards and techniques and uh, to uh, you know um, uh, uh, to I, I'm not going to rely on section. 230 to just run anything if you go to if you go to the website uh and if you comment you're not going to see a comment uh someone troll you because i'll be uh editing and and monitoring the comments uh, as they go up so uh that's the, that's the idea behind the uh, website um i moved back to um uh, in western maryland uh because it's closer to washington and still a couple of hours away uh because that's all we could afford but uh uh, um, you know, the idea is that uh, I hope to take this, uh, uh, make it bigger. And, and and the website, by the way, please go to the hustings.news, N-E-W-S is the uh, website, and you'll find it there. It strikes, it's, it strikes me, I'm sorry, it strikes me as a, a great and frankly very necessary antidote to that toxic, often toxic social media stew. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, where it's just God, the misinformation, obvious misinformation on both sides of the fence just goes unchecked, right. and people are just being fed. What you know, I, I saw a, a quote, something like, uh, "People want news that affirms them rather than mm-hmm. informs them." Um, and exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, yeah. And just the, the physical layout of your site seems uh, just to to have that <laughs> the physical three column format seems like a smart uh, feature in and of itself. Just that there's like a visual reminder that there are divergent views and the truth is kind of somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it, it's delightfully literal and yet incredibly functional. And I love the way that that works. And Todd, I, I've been thinking about, you know, you use the term echo chamber. And I like to think that I'm an informed consumer of news, but I fall into traps. And, and often, because because Damon spent so much, Damon and I spent so much time in the same office, he calls me <laughs> out on this stuff. But I get so much of my news from a Yahoo news page, and and over time the site starts to respond to what it is I'm clicking on and yeah. feeding me just news that I'm likely to read. And and exactly. At some point, I'm just reading stuff that reaffirms exactly what I want to see or believe. And I found that that your site actually challenges me to do something that I don't do much, which is actually spend some time reading. 
Well, well, I'm happy to hear that. Thanks, Tom. I I appreciate that. I mean, I I thought, too, of how, um, you know, if you uh, back in the days when we we were flying to uh, uh, press launches and press conferences and auto shows and so on, uh, you'd get on a plane and uh, um, I flew so much that I did get fairly regular upgrades and you'd be up in front watching on uh, certain flights you'd get uh, live TV and you'd get uh, like um, uh, they'd have CNN and uh, Fox News and so on and um, you know, you'd see much of the plane at least up front uh, maybe watching Fox News and a few people watching CNN and um, you'd have to switch back and forth to uh, to get you know, CNN and the Fox News perspective. I consider CNN more or less centrist, but obviously, at least in terms of their uh, in terms of their uh, commentary, they're uh, left leaning, uh, whereas Fox is obviously right leaning. And uh, I just thought uh, to have it in all on one page to be able to see all three, um, I thought would be valuable to uh, to a lot of people. And um, you know, just very much, obviously. Uh, although I, uh, we, we have a uh, uh, Hustings News, the, the Hustings uh, page on Facebook, it's uh, very much kind of an anti-Facebook, anti-Twitter kind of site. At least that's what I hope uh, it is or, and becomes and uh, get some readership so that you're not, I, I, you know, I think those sites, especially something like a Facebook, is where you, um, uh, you, you might actually type in some of your uh, uh, write some of your opinions uh, I've seen some auto journalists for example arguing uh, left and right on uh, on Facebook and if you do that you're going to get bombarded with um, who knows yeah. what on the left who knows what on the right so yeah. Todd, we are out of time, but it was a joy talking to you today. People need to check out your new site. That is thehustings.news. I hope you can join us again someday and we can catch up some more. Tom, I'd love to. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Damon and Jill, good to talk to you as well. You bet. Good to talk to you. All right. That was Todd Lasta from thehustings.news. Absolutely check out his site. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. Jill, you're active on Buzzwink. How can the kids follow you there? Buzzwink. I'm not even sure how that would work. Does it, like, every time you post something, it buzzes and and forces somebody to wink at you? I, I am not the social media expert around here. I wouldn't know. Uh, so I, I kind of missed the Buzzwink craze. Uh, however, Didn't we all? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as well as YouTube, and you can find me um, just by looking for my name, Jill Simonello, uh, which is all one word: J I L L C I M I N I L L O. And I also use the hashtag Cartajour. So um, if you're looking for me out in the, the ether somewhere, um, it's Cartajour, all one word. Kind of like the Super Hey, Damon, you're a winker. What's the deal? 
I'm not a winker. I'm a buzz winker. We don't we don't shorten things on buzz wink. <laughs> buzz winks are very Tom, Tom. When you make up these fake social media networks, do you just have like two columns of of words and then you just throw a dart at? Which one? You know how you do that? I've seen like jokey things where you make up a metal band by it's like leather, thrash, wolf, you know, cord, and then you just make up a metal band name by just throwing two words together. It seems like that's what you're doing with these. It's almost as if you have a camera in my office. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like when they tell you to um, what was the last thing that you ate at, or drank. Yeah, exactly. Plus the um, you know the pants, you know the material of the pants that you're ma- wearing right now. Right, right. And you're, you're, what's your old coffee? English name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, no buzzwink for me, but I am on Twitter. <laughs> I am on Twitter at Damon Bell likes Connors. Sounds good. Hey, guess what time it is? Quiz time, and I understand that uh, we're mixing it up. We are. We're doing something different this week. I hope you guys are excited. Uh, I'm calling this quiz Shout It Out Volume 1. Uh-oh. Hmm. Late model, make and model. So here's this is how it's going to work. Uh, when I'm taking well turns, me. you guys need to... <laughs> You guys need to buzz in when you think you know the answer. You buzz so in. So we say we say buzzwink. You say buzz, <laughs> just buzz. Just just buzz, not buzzwink. Okay. What, what happens if we say buzzwink? Immediate disqualification. Yeah, Got it. You, okay. You <laughs> so this is how this works. You can buzz in when you think you know the vehicle, but if you are wrong, the other person gets a free guess. Hmm. Okay. No so whammies. We, no whammies. No whammies. Sounds good. Oh, so, wrong show. That is right. way the wrong show. <laughs> we are kind of pressing. We're pressing our luck here, though. Just a little Whoa. bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you clues. When you think you know the vehicle, just say buzz. And you right. are the ultimate judge as to who said buzz first. That's correct. Okay. I had thought about involving oh. producer Lady B in this, but that sounded complicated. <laughs> also, I don't, I don't know that she's not going to want extra pay for that. So. <laughs> okay. All right, question one. Are you ready? No, but go ahead. 5.7 liter V8. Clue two, SUV. Clue three, TRD. Damon. Damon, I'm go sorry, ahead. buzz, buzz, yeah. buzz, sorry. Man, yes. I've already forgotten the rules. Buzz. I think it's um, communication. No. No, only if I would have said buzz wink. Um, So I just need to give the name of the vehicle in question. Yep. I'm going to say Toyota Sequoia. Whoa, first point goes to Damon. Hmm. Nicely done, sir. Nice buzzing. (laughs) But but more appropriately would be Toyota Sequoia TRD. No, the clues may or may not not, uh, apply to every vehicle in the lineup. Got it. Okay. All right. Number two, are you guys ready? Yes. All new. Sedan. 1.6T. Buzz. Damon? I'm taking a little risk here, but I'm going to say 2021 Kia K5. Oh, Damon scores again. This is not going to end well for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm expecting like a, 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 you know, zero answer. So uh, we'll make this the Damon show. All right. Question number three. Are you ready? Coupe. Yes. 
convertible, supercharged V6, British, hard dynamic. Uh, but uh, Jill was first. I'll say the Jaguar F-Type. Jill's on the board. Woohoo! Darn. Yes. It's two to one. Jill, nice comeback. You're not out of it yet. <laughs> Are you guys ready? That's rhetorical. Yes. Right? All right. Crossover. Latitude. 1.3 liter. Trailhawk. Subcompact. Buzz. Damon. Jeep Renegade. Yes. Uh. Three to one. Damon, you've got this one locked up, but Jill, you're going to do this one just to save your pride. Are you ready? Yeah, I have no pride, but go ahead. All right, the last one. This one's a little bit obscure. Mm. Discontinued in 2016. <laughs> hmm. Sedan. Horses. Luxury. Buzz. Damon. The Hyundai Equus. Yeah. <laughs> nice oh, job. Incredibly obscure. Uh, I could tell you what the Equus became. Go ahead. It was the Genesis G90. You get half a point. All right. <laughs> Pity All right. point. So so it's four to 1.5, Damon, you're the winner. But we go to the bonus question because that's what we do. Jill, you get the bonus question first as a consolation prize, right? Oh, great, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna know this one. Jill, released in July of 1979, Devo's second <laughs> studio album, Duty Now for the Future, featured 13 tracks. Which of the following was not among them? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm totally not getting this, but go for it. The Devo corporate anthem, Wiggly World, Mr. DNA, or Flamethrower? I'm gonna go with Wiggly World. All right, Damon, same question to you. Which was not a track on the excellent Duty Now for the Future? That would be Devo's second studio album. Was it Devo Corporate Anthem, Wiggly World, Mr. DNA, or Flamethrower? Mm. That's a tough one. I, I'm, I'm taking a total shot in the dark here, but I think I'm going to go with flamethrower because that seems like the most undevo thing about the of of the titles you mentioned. So I'll say flamethrower. Damon, uh, you're killing it today. You are correct. <laughs> flamethrower, not a devo song. Uh, yeah, the the only thing I know about devo is they wear the funny hats. That's about all I got with devo. That's all most people know about Devo, and that's kind of a yeah. shame. Yeah. Awesome bad. Hey, Damon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damon, what's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog? All kinds of good stuff this week, uh, including a very timely article, given what uh, Chicago weather has been like this past week and what it's going to be like this upcoming week, uh, judging by the forecast. We have an article titled, Cold Snap, Why Your Tire Pressure Warning Light is On. Uh, most, In fact, I think it's mandated now that all new vehicles have a tire pressure yeah. monitoring system. Mm -hmm. And when, these, when the temperature drops significant, 
significantly like it's going to do this week and does frequently in the winter that that causes tire pressures to drop in your vehicle and oftentimes that drop is significant enough that it can set off the tire pressure monitoring systems warning light so this is just a quick overview on what to do when that happens and how to tackle that uh, pretty simple thing but yeah that's something that lots of average drivers probably don't understand as well as they should so that's a primer on that um, we've got a interesting review flashback article on the because consumer guide has been in publishing for so long we've got a pretty impressive archive of of old magazines and we have scanners now so we can take some of that old content and it's a real trip to to look back at it um from a modern perspective so we've got a flashback on the luxury sedans of 1973 which is mostly american land yachts like lincoln's and cadillac or a lincoln a cadillac but then also a mercedes-benz which is clearly the outlier in that lineup so it's an interesting little snapshot of how yeah, those American land yachts were giving way to European vehicles. That was something that was just starting to take hold in the early 70s. Two, two interesting, uh, well, you can decide if they're interesting. Two observations about that article. Uh, one was that Mercedes products in the early 70s were ridiculously expensive compared to American products. Yeah. Uh, that Mercedes went for about $12,000 back then, and, and I think the other cars were going for not much more than half that. But the other thing is, and this is, uh, I don't know the history of this entirely, but back in the day, back in the early 70s, Consumer Guide editors did not test drive the cars. We hired professional test drivers to hmm. review the cars for us. And these were some of the most light-footed, Un, unsportsy <laughs> our zero to, our published zero to 60 times for these cars were always incredibly incredibly conservative I don't know why they didn't just floor the cars but this stuff's always very funny also the fuel economy number for these cars are frightening yeah mm. yep uh, yeah that's boy 73 that's when emission stuff was and fuel crisis stuff was first kind of taking hold um but yeah, at that time, they still would have been absolute gas guzzlers. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting article to, to check out. And we've got a couple of very noteworthy test drives. Um, we talked about Genesis just a bit ago. We've got the uh, Genesis, the first Genesis SUV uh, among our test drive reviews this week. That's the 2021 Genesis GV80 um, turbo, <laughs> turbocharged four-cylinder engine. Um, stylistically, very cool vehicle. I don't think it's really raising the bar in the, the segment, but definitely uh, uh, a legit contender. A uh, ton of, of comfort and convenience features and a very nice looking cabin. And then also we, we had our first spin drive report up uh, a few months ago, but now we've got our in-house test drive of the 2021 ram 1500 trx the awesome 702 horsepower super off-road vehicle which we've got so much new vehicle content in the first part we didn't get a chance to get to the ford raptor which was just mm -hmm. unveiled this week as well but we'll we'll probably talk about that uh next week and how it stacks up against this ram trx 
Yeah, the TRX is an interesting vehicle, too, and people can read this in the review. In fact, I recommend that they go to our website and read this review. <laughs> but, 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 for for all of its 702 horsepower and ridiculous ride height, it is it is a remarkably tame machine to drive mm -hmm. in town or commute in. It, it's very wide, which is makes it cumbersome, and there's no way you'd ever want to parallel park this thing. And parking spaces can be strange, especially at my health club. But but. Mm -hmm. But if you look past the fuel economy, which is very, very, very difficult to do. 10.9 miles per gallon in yeah. our test. I, I, I was getting 4.7 in the city, so you beat me. <laughs> but it, it's actually a surprisingly tame, docile, and drivable vehicle. Uh, Amazingly yeah. luxurious, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the interior equipment level, and of course, our test vehicle was, was uh, pumped up with a lot of uh, optional equipment including uh, a level two equipment group which includes a ton of luxury features and adds about eight grand to the price total bottom line price of it ninety one thousand two hundred and five dollars yeah and i'm not going to argue that you're not getting 91 grand worth of stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but if you're not using that vehicle for what it's worth what are you thinking yeah yeah uh, just, just don't uh, jump it um, 25 feet and trash it immediately after you buy it. <laughs> no, there was a YouTuber who did that. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that video and I still don't understand what I saw. I don't no. understand why you buy that truck and then abuse it. And then trash it, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, guess what, kids? We just ran out of time again. Drat. <laughs> that thing that, that always happens, but good show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank our guest, and today that was Todd Lasta of the Hustings.news. Do check out his website. Thanks to Jill Seminillo. Thanks to Damon Bell. As always, thanks to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago, where if you are listening to this on the radio, it is very, very cold right now. <laughs> As always, thanks to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. If you want to reach out to us, do so. Carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is our email address. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. Hey, let's talk about cars again next week.